I've been proud. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. We have a fantastic guest on tonight, but before we introduce him, and, and I see he enjoyed the uh, the intro music. It's a little bit of a banger there, so thank you to Maddie Big Chest for that. A um, little bit of you know family business here. We were talking about giving away the Scott Fishbowl um, you know, spot for you guys tonight. Smash except John could not be here, so he really wants to be involved with that. So we are going to move that to tomorrow, a little special 10-minute segment. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys, we got over 400 responses of you guys sending in, you know, your chance to be in the Scott Fishbowl. It's a fantastic tournament. And I know we're going to make you wait another day. You know, like that, that's messed up. But we're excited, and it, we want to get as much content in with our guests tonight. It's almost like Christmas telling your kids, hey, guys. Just wait till tomorrow. You know, we'll, we'll get it going there. But before we introduce our guest, Mung, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing good as always. Uh, kind of perfect timing. I just uh, have my t- top 200 redraft PPR rankings drop on Fantrax earlier today, which is going to lead in perfectly to what we're going to talk about tonight. A little bit more of a redraft focused show today. A completely redraft focused show. You know, we're all about dynasty trades but tonight we have the lead analyst at pro football focus host of the pro football focus fantasy football podcast literally no one we'd rather be talking on here no one's trending more than geo geo bernardi's quads than this man ian harditz how you doing tonight helping intro doing good thanks guys uh yeah man you know dynasty is always a good time i'm getting more into that in the recent years as well but yeah certainly always keeping the attention more and more at the 2021 slate but you know it's always good to have a little bit of a long-term viewpoint in it as well but yeah man excited to uh, get into it i'll be interested to see where you know some of the bigger discrepancies are between redraft and dynasty guys it's crazy man if you go back you know even three years like i was uh, talking to um uh, my guy earlier on the wolf podcast and like we were just talking about uh todd Gurley, like calling him you know todd Gurley's corpse at this point which is fair it's a true like mean point to make but three years ago like this dude was on top of the freaking world even two years yeah. ago he was still an rb1 now he's only 26 years old might as well be 45 in a uh, fantasy football land so it's crazy how things change and if you don't uh you know really make sure you sink it in you'll uh, be missing on it so excited guys let's do it yeah, let's do it. We're going to jump right in first to your, we're going to go over your tiers. You know, I noticed that you listed your, your 100 questions for 100 days out, and then you also re- released your tiers. And we're going to kind of go over your, your all of your tiers. We're going to start with quarterbacks. You know, we have tier one, you have Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Prescott, and Lamar Jackson. Now in Dynasty, the biggest thing is always tiers. You know, where do we move? Who's in what? And right now, you know, it's Mahomes, Josh Allen's moved in there. And is the, is the gap between Mahomes and everyone else Closing. I mean, Josh Allen was clearly the QB one last year, Lamar Jackson two years ago. If you're drafting right now, talk to me a little bit about the the dichotomy of how that breaks down. It's just wild because like Mahomes is really the only one out of this group that has put together two just exceptional fantasy seasons. The 2019 was pretty great as well, although he was a little bit more banged up. But 2018 and 2020, we just saw, you know, the high-end version of him. And I believe they're both like in the top 10 highest scoring fantasy seasons ever. These other guys have at least threatened that. Josh Allen last year, absolutely spectacular. Guy scores eight rushing touchdowns every year. It's crazy. I don't know if he's going to keep doing that forever, but at least for now, I mean, we're looking at one of the most fantasy-friendly QBs in the league. 
uh, in that Buffalo Bills offense. Kyler Murray was actually on pace to be the top. Uh, him, actually, Russell Wilson as well. If you just looked at the first nine or ten weeks of last year, before Kyler got that shoulder injury that kind of limited him, man, Ooh, those fantasy points per game were flying. So Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, those are actually our top two guys in single-season fantasy points per game ever. Lamar number one in 2019, Dak in 2020. So to me, like Josh, Kyler, Dak, and Lamar, they've all flashed the ability to be basically what Mahomes has been twice. So yeah, it's, it's still Patrick Mahomes number one for me, but there's a reason why they're in the same tier. I could see each of these guys finishing as the overall QB1 without you know too much craziness going on. Now, Mung and I have have an opinion on this, but if you had to pick one, you know, you're just saying this is the guy that's the QB1 this year. You know, obviously, Murray was from weeks 1 to 11. Lamar was two years ago. Allen just was. If you had to pick one guy, this is the guy that's going to be QB1 this year. It'd be Mahomes. Other than Mahomes, I would say Lamar gets back to it. The rushing upside is just too crazy. Getting Ronnie Stanley back is going to be great. And I was reading a good piece over at PFF.com from my guy Seth Galena talking about how Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, like they, they finally might give Baltimore some of these like receivers on the outside that can just win against man coverage. Because, you know, as much as people like to pick apart Lamar's, you know, passing ability and stuff like that, if you look at this team, they've been a bottom three spender on the offense each of the past three years. Like, you know, Marquise Brown, Marky Andrews, there's some okay guys but let's get him an actual difference maker on the outside i hope rashad bateman is that guy i absolutely love it you know i mean our guy dave kluge who's in the smash except he's blowing up over at football guys and he he was the guy saying lamar jackson is that qb1 this year you know he's definitely in that range and I, in dynasty he's kind of been faded a little bit and it's crazy because we have that you know, post-hype sleeper. He goes from QB1. He still finishes as a top 10 QB, and now all of a sudden everybody's like, let's discard him. Let's move on to the, the next group. And I'm, I'm glad that you have him in Tier 1. Um, Mung, any questions you have in that Tier 1 range? No, I mean, I'm with Ian. I still have Mahomes as my number one guy. I mean, we're talking about the best offensive line he's ever played with this year, so certainly could have even more deep shots to Tyreek Hill and Nicole Harmon. And then, personally, my number two is Dak Prescott. You know, Dallas didn't do anything to address that defense, so he's going to be chucking it a ton. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all these five guys I could see an argument for. Yeah, now, is, now it gets a little bit trickier, you know. So you got a couple young up-and-coming sophomores, looked fantastic. You got Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Jalen Hurts. Now, my guy, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan, you know. And I'm glad that you have Jalen Hurts up here because I'm buying him everywhere in Dynasty. Because I, I'm, and I'm doing it because I'm a volume trader, you know, so I like to sell when it gets hot. And I, what I've seen from Jalen Hurts, you know, he's got that Konami code. We put together some things here. Explain to me why you have him in tier two. So many people in the industry have him considerably lower, you know, outside that top 12 range. Yeah, I was actually just writing about Hurts uh, today a little bit, and I think he's fair here. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to see kind of the discrepancy in his ADP between uh, some of these different sites. And I, I would say underdog is probably the sharpest right now with most people doing, you know, best ball at this point over redraft. But like, I just got a hold of some sleeper uh, redraft ADP, and Hurts was going as the QB 16. Like, I was mocking some people for pretending like this dude is a late-round quarterback, so I thought it was pretty consensus he was in the top 10, but I guess not. Everything we saw from last year tells us the guy is a QB1. He had four starts. He was the QB11, the QB1, the QB12, and the QB20 in three quarters. He was on pace. If you just take the four games, the four starts, small sample size, but uh, he was running so much, his 16-game pace would have been more than Lamar Jackson ever had in a single season. He's not Lamar, but, I mean, he looks fine throwing the ball. Even if he graded out pretty poorly, 
read very poorly, like the fourth worst quarterback <laughs> I think we had out of 44 guys. I mean, I, I, again, as I was going through this article, I could not believe how many offensive line injuries they were dealing with. And, you know, it, it was a point that was brought up, but it was just like I listed three of them. I found three more. I mean, Andre Dillard missed the entire season. Brandon Brooks missed the entire season. Jason Peters missed eight games. Link Johnson missed nine games. Like just one guy after another. And who the hell was he throwing to, man? Like the same kind of arguments that were really given to a pass on uh, I think also applied to Jalen Hurts as well not that anyone's coming out Hurts's neck or anything like that but I just think it was such a bad situation in Philly for him to go into last year and in fantasy he made up for it because he runs a shit ton so as long as he keeps that going which I will I think he's going to be just fine I mean it's a little bit of an arbitrary number but if you just look at quarterbacks that have at least 100 rush attempts in the season and again he was on pace for 184 so 100 is very conservative I mean out of the 22 instances since 2010 15 of them finished as a top eight fantasy QB. And then I even dove into, you know, the seven that didn't. And we really only have like two or three examples, 2020 Cam, 2014 Colin Kaepernick, uh, 2011 Tim Tebow. Those guys like really just didn't, they were not QB ones. But the other guys, 2018 Lamar Jackson, the entire Tyrod Taylor Kendons the other years, they were usually top eight whenever they were actually on the field for the portion of games they were in the lineup. So there's not many like true cheat codes we have in this glorious game we call fantasy football, but rushing QBs are one of them. Jalen Hurts might just do it more than anyone else. Yeah, I love it. And and in Superflex, he's a guy that you can get. I love getting my second quarterback being a high upside guy, you know. And then then when I get my third guy, I try to get a nice floor, you know, a Kirk Cousins or something like that. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, I've been buying him. You guys, I've been talking about it in Dynasty recently. Just bought him for – I gave up Kamara to get Antonio Gibson and Jalen Hurts, you know, in Superflex. Those are the kind of moves that can – you know, a lot of people are worried about the risk, the long-term ability. But once we start playing, you know, once it, the week one kicks off, we're all playing redraft, right? Like up until we start losing, we get to week five, we're all playing for that title. We're all playing in that same direction. And I love that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, I mean, Devonta Smith is coming in now. You know, he didn't have that weapon. Now he does. Another guy that, you know, the I, I was pumped. The Eagles messed up with Rager, in my opinion. You know, they messed up passing on DK Metcalf. Did they finally get their guy? I think so, man. I did not like it was funny. I was uh, on a show earlier this week where we were looking at just kind of the values. And so I just took my rankings against ADP to see who I was just a lot higher on or lower on. And like I got Devontae Smith as my wide receiver 25 right now, which I thought was fair. But he's like wide receiver 37 over at underdog, man. I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, in the front seat of the Devontae bandwagon here for 2021. He could have like 150 targets this year and it would not be crazy at all. Like he is the undisputed number one in that offense we heard that Jalen Rager moving to the slot all that told us is that Rager is going to be excuse me Devontae is going to be their feature guy and why the hell wouldn't he he just took over the entire freaking country in college football last year so man you know we can talk about the size being an issue but like where's it at it's not a concern for Jalen Waddle because of 15 pounds even though Devontae's taller like in today's age, in 2021, size just does not matter, even comparatively to how things were 20 years ago. Yet every single stat you hear about, you know, the weight being an issue usually references the last 30 so, uh, so years of players. So, you know, we could always uh, just go back that with all those stats, you know, high passing stats. Oh, there's been so-and-so 5,000-yard passers last 30 years instead of 10. Like, it just seems like everyone's kind of going out against this guy because of the weight, and I just don't see it being an issue. So if you look at the offense, there's targets galore. 
um, good note from my guy Josh Norris uh, in one of his uh, podcasts he had over Underdog is that this also does not plan on being a bottom five uh, offense in terms of total pass attempts. So if we can get, uh, you know, just Devontae really featured as that alpha number one that he looks like he is, ceiling's the roof. I love that. So the veterans here, Mung, I know with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, you definitely have some questions, you know, going into to 2021. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, not so much questions. It's probably a little bit nitpicky. Personally, I have Tom Brady and Joe Burrow above Rodgers. Uh, I'm just a little bit concerned that, you know, he saw that career high in touchdown rates and in completion rate last year. So expecting a little bit of regression there. And overall, I think, you know, Brady and Burrow just have better surrounding casts. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it last year when they drafted Love. Aaron Rodgers was going to be on an up yours tour, and he really was, you know. And now he's still. It sounds like he's still going to come back, you know. I mean, Green Bay's come out and said basically they're not going to trade him. Um, and you know, basically with with what you're looking at there, talk to us a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and and what you're seeing for this year. Yeah, it's one of those weird things with the regression. I hear you like every, you know, you can look at the list of quarterbacks that had, you know, what, over 7% touchdown rate and they all came back to earth because it's that hard to be that freaking good again. But I don't know that we can just take him out of the, uh, you know, top spot because he was also that good last year. So even, you know, a decrease, we will usually see, you know, kind of an increase in the volume after these sort of insane years. I wish there was more, you know, just on-field products in Green Bay to make us feel better about it. That's why I wasn't on Rodgers last preseason. All we had was the pissed off Jordan Love angle because they hadn't added anything else yeah. to the offense. And I, you know, I Rodgers, one of the things he was saying early in the year is that, you know, a down year for him is still a career year for a lot of other quarterbacks. And he's right, but at least in fantasy, man, like in 2019, he was coming off a year. I think he was the QB 14, uh, either overall or in fantasy points per game. So he really was more of just a guy that wasn't, you know, exactly going to run any more often. So last year did come out of nowhere. But, you know, with Burrow and, you know, more concerns about him rushing or popping up, I, I like him a lot. I mean, he's only two spots behind me and I have Brady right there. So they're next to each other, even if I did separate it by the tier. I guess with Brady, like his arm was not a noodle last year. I hated that storyline the entire time. But at some point, father time has to come. Like I just feel like at, you know, 43, 44, wherever the hell he is now, like it's absolutely ridiculous. So I, I, I just can't wrap my mind around him. Uh, actually continuing to get better, but maybe he will in the second year in Bruce Arians' system because we know it can be that uh, difficult. So, yeah, you know, we're talking just difference of three or four ranks here. Uh, all, all top 10 QBs, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just give me Rodgers because out of the three, he was the best one last year. It's truly remarkable what Tom Brady's able to do. I mean, I just turned 40 last month. They had a roast on here. They all came up, made fun of me. And every day since then, I'm waking up with back pains and feeling a little <laughs> bit different. I feel like they all kind of uh, jinxed me on that. So going from from the old to the young, I mean, obviously, we'll move to Tier 3. And we got Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Baker Mayfield. The one that I'm seeing get disrespect that, that just blows my mind because is, is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is, like, the most criminally underrated. Him and Stafford, people always overlook him. And, I mean, I we're going to talk about A.J. Brown and just gush about him later. But Tannehill just goes out and gets it done week in and week out. 
Yeah, man. Like he gets kind of he gets really disrespected as this like kind of post gaze breakout guy. Like he was really good in Miami before Adam Gase got there, and then he kind of got ruined a little bit. And then thank God the Titans went back and saved this guy because he's been nothing other than a top ten QB ever since he took over the job. And we were all you know kind of a little bit expecting him to crash back to earth earth last year, and he didn't at all. He honestly looked better than ever. So right now, yeah, it's not ideal. It didn't replace you know Corey Davis and Humphreys better than they had. But God forbid they bring Julio in like a lot of people are thinking they do. Like, my goodness, man. But we have a guy, you know, every single broadcast, you know, one of those things, you know, Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Tannehill used to play wide receiver. We get it. He's more athletic than usual. But it really does matter, man, for him to have seven rushing touchdowns, what, 11 rushing touchdowns in 28 games with the Titans. Like, I don't think it's a fluke. Like, they use him near the goal line to run. He's more than capable of doing so. And much like Russell Wilson, like, as much as the Titans and Seahawks might want to run, like, look at those defenses. I don't think they're really going to be able to slow down anybody enough to instill their will as much as they might, might like to. So Tannehill was the QB7 last year. He's like the QB16 an underdog right now. I can't believe it. Like I, I wrote an article on Ryan Fitzpatrick and I was so ready just to call him my, you know, number one late round QB of the year, but there's Tannehill sitting there at QB 16. I have, you know, QB 11 or 12 or whatever it is. And yeah, man, like go get this guy. It's, he is so cheap and AJ Brown's a screaming value in a lot of these second rounds. And particularly if you are trying to stack it up in best ball, like, you know, get Ferks or even later Titans are awfully affordable for a team that was just, I think the number four ranked scoring offense. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as QB7, while we're still on Tennessee, you know, let, Corey Davis leaves, Adam Humphreys leaves, over under 150 targets for A.J. Brown. I know you always – you're the redraft guy. You've, I've, I mean, I love following you on Twitter. You're hilarious. Like, I love reading your articles. And you've been on A.J. Brown forever. And I, I know last year, like, right, at, right around Christmas time, I was like, yo, A.J. Brown is, like, leaning towards my wide receiver one. You know, and I, I caught a lot of beef for it. You know, I just saw – the writing on the wall, and then Corey Davis leaves, and now all of a sudden it's like, dude's going to get peppered. If uh, Rodgers does end up getting traded, like I'm moving A.J. Brown ahead of Devontae Adams. He's just at my wide receiver two spot right now, assuming Rodgers is staying. But, man, like it's 150, particularly in 17 games as well. I do think that 150 is certainly on the table. But it's it's just insane, man. We've really never seen him bust whenever they've even given him just an ample amount of targets. I believe he's he's 30th or 33rd in just total targets among wide receivers over the past two years which is absolutely criminal because the guy, he's only had six career games with more than eight targets. In those games, he's had 151 yards in the tutty. He's had a touchdown every single one of these games. 151, 114, 112, 101, 83, 82 yards. Like he just has not missed. Reminds me of, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley and honestly, Chris Godwin. Like that's the, you know, one of the trends we've had over these past few years where it's like the hyper efficient rising third year receiver that benefits from a lot of vacated targets. And we've been lucky enough to have it be Godwin and then Ridley where we can get these guys, you know, in the third round. They were kind of, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, sleeper wide receiver that wasn't actually a sleeper and they were already, you know, boasting this top 20. ADP. AJ Brown happens to be going in the top five or six, but he checks all those boxes, man. I think this again, uh, he's just gonna really has that overall wide receiver one in his uh, uh, potential range of outcomes. The only other guys I have in his tier other than Adams are Tyreek, Diggs, and Hopkins. Yeah, and that's the thing in Dynasty where you want to try to, you know, you want to try to locate those next guys, check the talent, check the situations. 
and trade ahead of time. You know, I traded last year. Now I have them on 11 of my 13 teams and I'm, I couldn't be happier. You know, we'll try to get to some of those guys later. Let's move to tier four. And this is like a really interesting one, right? You've talked about Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzpatrick. I know, you know, Mung released an article about Fitzpatrick and then you got the rookies, right? Fields, Lance and Lawrence. I mean, all four of these guys have QB1 potential. I mean, you could say they could easily be in the top 10, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, I mean, particularly once uh, Lance and Fields can get out there, I would say, you know, gun to my head, I would take Fitzpatrick over these guys. I mean, he's just guaranteed to be on the field longer. And really, all the evidence we have in recent years tells us that he's going to be, you know, a QB1 when he's out there. In 2018, he was the QB1 while Jameis was suspended weeks one through three. He was only behind Lamar in weeks seven through 17 in uh, 2019 once he took over from Josh Rosen. And last year, before he, you know, quote unquote, lost the job to Tua in weeks one through six he was the qb8 so we just don't have any evidence of fitzpatrick not being a top eight qb uh really since his uh jets days so uh you know look at this offense mclaurin curtis samuel i think it's schemed well enough for scott turner you know you got the running backs to throw to as well logan thomas Diamond brown all the weapons available for fitzmagic to put together a great uh year so the big one for me is like when is trey lance going to get out there because the more I think about it, the more I do think he deserves to be the rookie QB1 because he's the guy that just projects to kind of have 12 to 15 rush attempts per game, potentially. I mean, our PFF draft guy comp for Trey Lance was Taysom Hill with legit arm talent. So, again, just like we were talking about with Jalen Hurts, like you don't even need to be a good real-life QB yet to be a great fantasy one, and Trey Lance might be able to do that as early as this year if he's entrusted with that starting job, you know, and with some sort of a sense of urgency. Yeah, and I feel like Justin Fields is a similar type situation. I mean, the last time we had a quarterback play the entire year for them and in a situation like this with Nagy, obviously it was Trubisky finished as QB10. I saw some people say, you know, that that's in the range of outcomes if Fields starts because he's got that that rushing upside. Mung, I know you're chomping at the bit. I know these are, you know, these are your guys in there. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, you guys know my Trey Lance love uh, with that rushing upside. I, I don't think that, you know, the number one overall quarterback is out, outside of his range of outcomes, depending on when he starts. Um, personally, I'm not a Fitzpatrick guy. I mean, I'm just nervous about the turnovers, right? To me, Washington just wants that guy who can run the offense. They've got a top five defense. So my only concern with him is if he can hold on to the ball. Because, Who's you know, going to take the job, though? I'm a Taylor Heineke fan. Oh <laughs> we we talk about this on the regular, so we're just, I was just giving him a hard time. He had the meme out there where we're we're all trying to make uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick fetch, you know, trying to do the mean girl thing. That I love that, by the way, Mung. You know, I love the the sense of humor coming out. And you're nailing it. Yeah, I mean, look, all I'll say is, as a Tom Brady fan, I was nervous during that Washington game because of how well Taylor Heineke was playing. So I'm just saying that Pretty I well. think there's a spare chance that he could take that job. Our man, uh, for whom the bell tolls, just said, hey, what's up? Right. Let's talk about our next tier. And this is the one where I just want you to pick out one of the guys. So tier five, realistic path to success, but not bulletproof, right? I mean, you got Winston, you got Cousins, Tua, Darnold, Wentz. Wilson, Jones, Roethlisberger, Carr, Goff, they're all in there, right? If you had to pick one guy, again, out of this group to emerge that could be a top 12 quarterback, who's that guy in 2021? Probably Cousins. 
out of this group. I think he did finish QB 12 last year. So not, you know, exactly something he hasn't uh, pulled off over the years, but you know, the Vikings defense, I think will be better. Like that's why he's in this tier and I have Tannehill and Russ higher. I'm more confident in Mike Zimmer, but I, you know, you look at what cousins has done. He's a really freaking good quarterback. Unfortunately, he hasn't been as good in fantasy with the Vikings because like he used to run for four or five touchdowns per year with Washington. And we just have not gotten that in Minnesota, but God forbid, we just get a little bit of a positive regression uh, in that area. And, you know, I think he's got the weapons in place, Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith, you know, Dalvin. We've seen them have a lot of success through the air. Last year, the problem was the defense couldn't hold it up. So uh, I did a, you know, look at uh, just the biggest difference uh, last year in points per game and point points per game allowed. And the three teams with like the really just extreme differences in their offense being great and their defense sucking were the Titans, the Raiders, and the Vikings. So, uh, you know, Cousins, like, their offense was not the problem last season. I know he sometimes, you know, shrinks in the Monday night games and all that, even if he uh, did get one win, I think, uh, last year at some point. But Hey, guys, he's been a really good quarterback by pretty much any measure of success you want to look at. And, you know, it's one of those things where, well, he lost against the 49ers, so he can't win the big one. You know, hey, he – you know, look, he won the big one the previous week. It just, it always comes back in the next round, the next game. It's pretty hard to win these days unless you're, uh, you know, taking home the Lombardi trophy. So Kirk Cousins, very good real life quarterback that could certainly also be in that same category of fantasy again in 2021. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. He's the guy that you're not like bragging to your friends. He's so vanilla. He's the missionary position of the quarterbacks. You're just, it's just, it's there. You know what I mean? He's, he's just that guy. Uh, let's move on to the, the running backs here. If we're in a one quarterback league, I mean, is there anybody you take one on one other than Christian McCaffrey? I've been trading for him in Dynasty. There's started to be like a window here where people are acting like he's not Superman aside from his injury. And last year he was actually on pace to have more points per game. I know it was only, you know, over a four game stretch. But I mean, is there anybody else you could even consider? Nah, because we saw in the new offense, I mean, that first week one, I think he had a 97, it might have been 100% snap rate. Like, no one else plays that role. And the fact that he's going to be projected for 100-plus targets again, no one else has that going for them either, not even Alvin Kamara with a Drew Brees out of the picture. So, to me, like – it's always been a differentiator. Like McCaffrey has like pretty much the every down rush and target role. Nobody else has that in the league other than maybe Saquon if he's fully healthy, but we're already kind of hearing he could be a little bit limited uh, to start. I'm not really buying uh, those reports. I think if he's out there, you know, he's going to be getting the ball 20 plus times a game, uh, you know, more weeks than not. So not overly worried about Saquon, but nah, I think CMC is the outright uh, RB1. But it's just, it is funny how, you know, the worst uh, subset of Twitter is injury predictor Twitter. And, like, McCaffrey just misses all of last season. It doesn't matter. But Joe Mixon misses last year, and everyone's just like, wow, not falling for this again. Got me last year. Like, really screwed over my teams. Can't be having that again. So, uh, you know, apparently McCaffrey, Saquon, uh, we don't care about the injuries. But for Mixon, Chris Carson, uh, they definitely matter, like, way more. So, you, you got to yeah. stay, stay with the times. Uh, stay, stay with what the kids are doing, I guess. Injury Twitter is the worst. You know, they're like saying Dalvin Cook doesn't get injured. I'm like, did you forget about that? They're like, oh, well, Joe Mixon. You're like, no, man. Like those guys played more and it's it's so difficult to predict. Um, Don't tell Steffi Smalls that Barkley might not, you know, know, be in full, full gear right off the bat. But I mean, I feel like Saquon definitely gives you that same kind of ceiling week in and week out. The other guys that you have in tier one, Dalvin Cook, absolute workhorse and Derrick Henry, you know, so Derrick Henry I don't think there's a guy that in Dynasty that you can get cheaper that's going to get 300 carries, 
you know, 1,400 rushing yards, double-digit touchdowns. And every year people are like, well, the workload. Ah, uh, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's going to break down. Ah, uh, he doesn't catch a lot of passes. And what does he do every year? He comes out the last three years. He just keeps getting better, and those numbers just keep improving. And I see you know, you're one of the only ones that has him up in this tier above Kamara, and I love it. Again, it's like I understand we need to consider regression with these things, but there's nothing about his situation that really tells us that it's going to be worse this year unless we just want to think that he's finally going to be over the hill and he's going to break down. I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't want to put too much stock into the Twitter workout videos, but that doesn't look like a guy that's on the verge of breaking down to me, man. Maybe these more physical running backs in the year 2021 can last a little bit longer than they have in the past. So I'm looking at his contract right now, though, and really he's going to be there for sure this year, likely next year. 2023 would be the first time where, you know, if he's really kind of falling off, they might want to consider getting rid of him. So, you know, how long of a window do you really want to have in Dynasty? Like that's one of the things, you know, as someone that doesn't focus, you know, my entire career around Dynasty, but I just kind of noticed on the outside that, you know, it, it seems like a lot of times people almost have like too long of a timeline with this. Like if you can get – two or three more great years out of Derrick Henry. Like, what else are you looking for? Like, that's fantastic. The guy's going to be a top five running back. So here's the hoping he can just catch, you know, some level of passes, man. Like, the fact that they were taking him off the field last year for Jeremy freaking McNichols for, like, extended stretches. Like, we're, we're not asking for Derrick Henry to catch even 50 balls, but, like, 20, 30? 25, yeah, 30? Like, yeah. come on. Like, just get the ball in open space, man. He's, he's always a threat. That. He's always a threat to take it to the house. I mean, every year there's that one dump off he takes for 80 yards. You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, why don't we do that more often? Give him an opportunity, you know, because it's, it's, if the receiving game was in there, even if like old school Leonard Fournette with the Jaguars, if we can get him 40, 50 receptions. I mean, could you imagine the type of season that we're looking at? Uh, and, and people are just, they're discounting him a little bit more in, in dynasty than they are in redraft. Mung, anything else with, with Dalvin or anything else to add there with, with tier one before we move into tier two, where I know you had some questions. No, I mean, personally, I'm one of those people who is lower on Derrick Henry. Um, you know, when we were talking about Ryan Tannehill, we kind of touched on it where the Titans defense is really pretty rough looking in the secondary. And, you know, I think Indy's gotten better. Uh, Jacksonville, I think offensively at least will be better. So I could see a lot more high scoring games where potentially the Titans are going to be playing a little bit more from behind. So the lack of receptions does scare me a little bit about Henry. I, I think he's an outlier, so I'm not going to predict any injury for him. Um, I think the workload will be there for him on the ground. I'm just not sure. You know, I'm banking on him in that top five elite tier for me. I like it. Uh, moving to your tier two, it's you know it's it's firm RB one seasons. I mean, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb. I'm going to start with Zeke. That's a guy that that Mung and I have been buying up everywhere. And where people are, you know, when he played last year in the games with Dak, he was a top five running back. People are acting like Zeke is washed because of that situation. I mean, out of this group, you know, he's one of those guys that I could see clearly being in that top, you know, four or five right this season. He's another guy. He's right there at Derrick Henry where it's like, all right, which, you know, thing that we don't have any actual research on do you want to side with? Do you want to say he's going to get injured because of his workload or do you want to say that he's actually injury proof because he hasn't gotten injured before? So well, we, we say that all the time, right? It's like we tell ourselves narratives. You know, you tell yourself yeah, a narrative. Exactly. Of, and that's all we're doing sometimes at this this point in the year. Is, and that's why we're bringing you on is in Dynasty, we like to tell ourselves narratives. Sometimes, you know, I see a lot of people like, 
they didn't like Zeke until they traded for him. They got a trade off and then they're like, oh yeah, no, no, Zeke's going to do this. And, and you know, Mung and I have been talking for a while that we really think this is a great year for Zeke. He's a nice buy low. And, uh, you know, I mean, I gave up Chase Claypool in a late first to get him today. And I'm okay with that, you know, because I think in a points per carry league, Zeke is right up there at the top. He was the PPR RB9 last year with the worst offensive line he's going to play behind and without Dak Prescott. That was your worst case. So, like, I'm sorry that he wasn't the RB3. He wasn't Dak the entire season. But this idea that he was just completely horrendous, at least in fantasy football, man, like, I get it. He's making $90 million. You want him to be a top three, if not the single best running back in the league for that sort of money. But once he got those fumbles out of his system after that weird uh, first half stretch, there really were some good moments. And again, this was an offense led by Andy Dalton and, you know, this other collection of quarterbacks for a few weeks that just couldn't do anything, man. So it wasn't like Zeke was the sole reason they couldn't uh, get the ball moving. So he did come back after that injury and actually set our single season for 2020, at least. Uh, uh, just the high marking force missed tackles in that uh, Eagles game on the ground. So he did have some stretches where he looked more than fine. And more than anything, he's the featured bell cow workhorse on what we all figured to be a top five offense. And I love Tony Pollard. You love Tony Pollard. The Cowboys are continue to feed Ezekiel Elliott. Even after that game against the 49ers, Zeke came back from injury, still got his, you know, usual 20 touches. So here's the help. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me started on uh, Tony Pollard Twitter because you see it yeah. like two or three times a day that Tony Pollard's a better running back than Zeke, and you're like, just just keep your information. You know, we're, we're definitely not going there. Uh, one guy that a lot of our listeners have some some trepidations with, um, and and Mung was advocating selling him last year, and and it was you know cashing out. Is are we going to see a regression with Alvin Kamara? I mean, what do we what are you seeing? Obviously, if Jameis Winston takes over, what are we thinking with Alvin Kamara, and what kind of what kind of ceiling and floor? Yeah, I mean, look, he was a low-end RB1 for the most part when when uh, Taysom Hill was under center last year. Like, people, I get the most shit about Alvin Kamara and Jonathan Taylor whenever any of these running back rankings go out. And they are both fantastic players. Very well, two of the top, like, five running backs in the league. But we're not, you know, worried about that. We're worried about fantasy football. And in Taysom's four stars last year, Kamara was the RB26, the RB36, the RB6, and the RB9. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm technically being generous with this four-game sample size, ranking them where he is. They give Latavius Murray, like, as many handoffs. Okay, maybe, you know, a couple fewer per game. But, like, he's never going to take over with his rushing workload. And now he's not going to probably get the receiving stuff from Taysom. Or Jameis is going to be under center. And we got one of the highest average target depth guys in the league. I think it makes sense if this team isn't going to be, you know, a top-five scoring offense going into next year. You know, hey, maybe they keep it going. Maybe Sean Payton is the answer, and it wasn't uh, Drew Brees, but I just think there's a chance, chance the touchdowns go down. It seems almost certain the targets go down, and yeah, so it's someone where, no, I'm not going to spend the usual top five pick on him because his situation is worse off. People are like, how can you fade, uh, you know, basically fade because I'm not going to be getting him where I'm kind of ranking him in a lot of these drafts. How can you do that with a guy that was just so good? Because the situation is different. Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry might have not have been quite as good as Kamara last year, but at least they're you know in almost better situations or the similar situation in terms of workload in Derrick Henry's case. So for me, Kamara, it just comes down to projecting what's going to happen in 2021, not what happened in the last four years. Yeah, and and 
in the rest of this group, there's two guys that stick out to me where you got to pay attention to your league settings. I mean, if we're going, if you're not playing PPR and you're in, still in 1994, Nick Chubb definitely gets a bump. But if you are playing PPR, which you should be, I mean, seriously, at this point, Austin Eckler, to me, has the upside of, you know, he's going to have the receptions right under the, right in that same class as McCaffrey, maybe slightly less. And, you know, he's proven that he belongs in this category and not everybody does. I mean, especially when you get into your redraft leagues with your, with your buddies, you know, from work and they're like, Austin Eckler, that tiny, you know, like they, they haven't been on fantasy Twitter to see the dudes yoked, but like, I love Austin Eckler. Talk to me a little bit about that before we move on. Yeah. Eckler. I mean, I have him ranked ahead of Kamara. I think he's got the role that we hope Kamara still has right now in LA. And he actually has, you know, the Saints old QB coach, Joe Lombardi as his guy calling plays now. So Eckler was awesome last year and the concerns we had for him have largely been cured. I mean, why were we kind of off on Austin Eckler last year? Because it was either going to be Tyrod Taylor under center or a rookie we didn't know about. Turns out that rookie's one of the best first-year quarterbacks we've pretty much ever seen. So, you know, Eckler, you just look at it, man. He's played he played in 46 of 48 potential games from 2017 and 2019. It was a you know horrific hamstring injury he got last year. And he still came back to play, I believe, uh, 10 games on the season as a whole. So, man, I, I just think that he's one of the most fantasy-friendly players in the game because other than McCaffrey, I don't know at running back who you could feel good about projecting for more receptions in uh, the year 2021. So, yeah, Eckler is someone that – if he had more of a stranglehold in the early down work, then I'd be confident moving him up. But even then, then it might not matter because, again, a full, full point per uh, reception scoring, Eckler might just have enough receptions to make up for it. For sure. Tier three is a, is a fun one. You know, like it's a big group. Again, we talk about Joe Mixon all the time. I see that you, you're always talking about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, RB1 season. I mean, like this is the year, right? Like this is the year we really want it. And then the other guys you have on there – you know, I know we could talk about Mixon for a, a quite a bit, but I mean, the other the other veteran on there is Chris Carson, and then we get a whole slew of sophomores, right? And this is what people want to listen to. People are asking us all the time, you know, Mung, Dad, what what's going on? I mean, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, you know, Antonio Gibson, Edward Solaire, Swift. Who's the guy? Like, who do we want out of this? You know, we're hearing things: Antonio Gibson, CMC Light, Jonathan Taylor's moved himself all the way into. RB2, RB3 overall in Dynasty type. You know, Cam Akers blew up in the playoffs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mung absolutely loves him, and he's getting disrespected. He almost he finishes a RB13. He was right in that range. And then DeAndre Swift, if utilized, the sky is the limit. So break these guys down a little bit for us. Uh, Mung, I'm going to let you go first because Ian's probably getting a little tired from talking. But, I mean, Mung, talk to us a little bit about this group, and then we're, we'll switch it over to you, Ian. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, it, maybe it's a cop-out answer, but that's why I like the tier-style ranking, because you can make an argument for each and every single one of these guys. Um, you know, the debate that I've been hearing a lot, or I've been getting involved in a lot, I should say, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, because everyone seems to think that Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor are going to be, you know, the workhorse guy in their respective backfield this year. And my question is, why not CEH, right? When you're looking at backfield competition, last year, Daryl Henderson got a lot of work before he got that high ankle sprain, and then Cam Akers took over in the playoffs. And then Jonathan Taylor really emerged over the second half of the season. But I would argue that Naeem Hines and Daryl Henderson are better competition than Daryl Williams and the corpse of Jarek McKinnon here. Yeah, and, and for you listeners, I mean, 
Mung and I have a little bit of a side bet, you know, $20 to our, our favorite charity here. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a better running back than Clyde Edwards-Solaire fantasy-wise. And we've been on Twitter, you know, no one answers more trade questions when it comes to Dynasty than Mung and I. And that's the only one, like, you, we, we line up really well. But when it comes to Taylor or CEH questions, we're trying not to have, like, a, a gif off. You know, we're trying to just argue back and forth. Um, Ian, talk to us a little bit about that class. The guy that really I'm starting to open up to, and I've been buying in Dynasty, and I feel like this, the sky is the limit, is Antonio Gibson. But talk to me about those other guys as well. To me, Cam Akers deserves to be above the other second-year guys purely because, like, again, we talked about some McCaffrey. Nobody else in the league has McCaffrey's, like, every down roll, assuming Saquon isn't thrust back into that immediately. If they want to treat Cam Akers like they treated Todd Gurley, he is going to have that role. I understand Henderson got hurt before the playoffs, but Akers was already starting to take that over before uh, that high ankle spray didn't come to fruition. So I think Akers is the best running back out there. Malcolm Brown is no longer there causing problems in short yardage and receiving work and yeah like i get it acres henderson probably won't be completely out of the picture but for me acres has the highest ceiling of the group and i'm worth chasing that because as great as jonathan taylor and antonio gibson might be like i, I would allow that they're better than cam acres in real life but Naeem Hines is going nowhere jd mckissick is going nowhere like i hear the ron rivera quotes he called antonio gibson a bigger version of cmc with his skill set before last season and they threw jd mckissick over 100 targets i hope it's not the case and i under i know when mccaffrey was there they kind of eased him into the full featured role his second year as well but it's it's asking a lot man i don't think mckissick is going completely out of the picture and you know depending on kind of the washington football team beat reporter you ask i think we kind of hear some of that same sentiment echoing as well uh clyde edwards alert yeah i mean it's I definitely think he is going a little bit uh, undervalued. It's funny. I, I was looking at some of the biggest ADP droppers from uh, last year, like top 24 backs before last season. Where are they now? And like only four guys had had like double digit drops in ADP uh, from the top 24. I think it was Kenyon Drake, James Conner, and one other guy that changed teams. Uh, I can't forget. But the, the, they all changed teams. And it was very clear, except for Clyde Edwards Alaire. He was like, I think, fourth in the NFL in touches before they traded for Le'Veon, or not traded, before they signed Le'Veon Bell. And now he's out of the picture. So they can bring someone back. But even in that case, we're still looking at the lead RB1, who was good last year. He maybe wasn't, you know, taken over. He wasn't the hard, top five, top six RB he was being drafted at when the season started. But, you know, I think people are just penalizing him a little bit too much when he was uh, actually pretty solid last year. Like that illness and, you know, the eventual uh, really nasty lower body injury have with the bigger issues than Le'Veon Bell. You guys heard it there. I'm seeing you on Twitter all the time. Cam Akers RB1 season. Lock it up. Just so you guys, we run two Smash Accept listener leagues. I got Cam Akers in both of them. Start trading, guys. Uh, let's move over to the wide receivers. You know, I feel like we're trying to keep that time constraint with you, and I, I would wish we could talk all night, you know, but because you're absolutely killing it. Let's talk to the huge target tier one guys, you know. Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, and Hopkins. you got to be happy getting any of those guys there. You know, we, we've already kind of talked a little bit about Devontae Adams. We've talked about A.J. Brown. The one guy that I'm not seeing everybody have in there, and I'm a, I'm a Bills – I absolutely love the Bills. How can you not love Stephon Diggs? 
I mean, nobody had more targets than the guy last year, and that's ultimately what we're trying to predict. So, yeah, Diggs absolutely needs to be in that category. I mean, he caught at least six passes in all but one game. His Like, if you just want to look at his worst overall performances, he went 449-1 against the Rams, scored a touchdown on Jalen freaking Ramsey, and seven catches and 39 yards against the Chargers. I mean, he looks – acts and is one of the game's single best wide receivers so he deserves to be in that top tier for me and yeah guys i mean you know again i see tyree kill i think actually has the highest adp now uh out of the group i would go ajb over Devonte once rogers is traded but i'm not even too afraid of Devonte. if rogers is traded i would drop him down out of this tier probably more into the you know wide receiver seven to nine range but this guy was still a ppr wide receiver 12 when brett hunley had to come under center in 2017 you know i think it's reasonable to hope Jordan Love is a little bit better than Brett Hundley and Devontae Adams in 2021. I think it's better than Devontae Adams was 2017. He still, you know, has with health the potential to have a target total starting with the two when it's all said and done. We wouldn't have the great quarterback throwing him the ball like these other players in the tier do, but, you know, him alongside, you know, Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, I think would be appropriate still. Yeah, and in Dynasty, we're having a lot of, uh, lot of questions where, where guys are like, I got to sell Devontae Adams, and they're trying to get out, and they're moving themselves outside that top 12 in, in a lot of situations. And this is that high-risk, high-reward, where if you're a win-now team and you get Devontae Adams and Rodgers does come back, you're looking at a top-three guy. Like you said, if he doesn't, you're looking outside, you know, fringe top 12. The next three you guys have, you have is the, the overall wide receiver one outcome is there, right? It's Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf. Keenan Allen, those guys get peppered. I mean, Michael Thomas is the one that I catch the most flack on where I, I'm trying to say Michael Thomas has that top ceiling. Last year we were advocating trading for him and obviously he didn't quite put it all back together after Breeze was gone. But the talent is still there. Are you are you believing some of this Jameis Winston can't throw the slant, this and that kind of stuff? It's uh, It's been a long day on Twitter arguing people about this. First of all, right? it's, it's all over the place. And I'm like, if I say I like Jameis Winston or that I think Michael Thomas is going to have a good season, I get torn apart. Michael Thomas played seven games last year. He badly sprained his ankle after week one. He comes back, and yeah, his starting quarterback's gone, and he still managed to have over 100 yards in two of the freaking games with Taysom Hill under center. What do you do in 2019 when Drew Brees got hurt? He put up big numbers with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I think we can all agree Teddy and Taysom are mediocre quarterbacks like at best, and it didn't matter, matter because Michael Thomas is a very good to great NFL receiver. And then people are just penalizing, you know, what he scored. He had five catches, 73 yards, and a tutty against the Bears in the first round of the playoff. Goose eggs in the second round. You know, Alvin Kamara had 20 total yards in that second game. That's pretty shitty. We hear nobody hold that against them. It wasn't great that he goose egg. No, I get it. But that's not a reason not to draft the guy in fantasy. And, and the whole slant boy stuff is just – it's overblown. First of all, like, what? Are we trying to say that he can only run the slant? Like, just – even if he could, you're telling me he ran one route all the way to get the freaking single-season reception record? Like, I, I've always used the one thing. Like, nobody says Steph Curry should shoot fewer th uh, threes. If PFF, like, we have every single route data, and he is not – like, okay, he gets the most yards on slants. He's number one out of 145 qualified receivers since coming to the league in yards per route run on slants. Like, they should be throwing him that ball on slants because, one, they haven't had a quarterback that can throw the ball more than 30 yards in the air over the past two years. And, two, Thomas is awesome at it. But he's also number two on comebacks and hitches. He's number six on ends, posts, and crossing routes. I mean, he was – 
He's 41st out of 130 guys on outs and corners. Like he he's comes through on everything, but we just choose to, for some reason, slander this guy because he's too good on one specific route. So honestly, I hope Jameis Winston wins the job. So for once, we can see Michael Thomas actually have a quarterback that can push the ball downfield. You know, everyone wants to hate on Jameis now and all these reports are coming out. The guy threw for 5,000 yards two years ago, so you can call him inaccurate and, you know, he's an erratic gunslinger. I get it, but, you know. Give me a break. I got Chris Robin and Mike Evans going. Like People go, if Taysom Hill's under center, Michael Thomas will be okay. Listen to yourself. Like, Do you understand what you're saying now? Taysom Hill? Like Anybody can be under center, and Michael Thomas is going to ball out because he's that good. So give the man a break. I don't want to be the first guy in history to say Jameis Winston's a smart quarterback, but he knows how to you know, attack the defense. And when before Godwin was there, Godwin's rookie year, he peppered Mike Evans because he knew that was his way to get it done. You know, he's playing in that contract era, and he is now. And and what else is there other than Michael Thomas? He's going to force feed him the ball, and you know he's going to throw his share of pick sixes. But you know, it could be a fun offense to watch still. Tier three with the alpha wide receivers. You know that you have a lot of guys in the same offense. You know, you have some things there where you have or or in that similar area. You got Justin Jefferson, McLaurin, Cooper, Lamb, Ridley. Julio, Deontay, and Allen Robinson. Now, Mung, I know one guy you've been talking a lot about and, and, and interested in is Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I'm just not quite as high, so I, I would love to hear Ian talk a little bit about Deontay Johnson. My only concern with him is that I do think that Pittsburgh is going to run a lot more than they did last year. You know, they were the second most pass-heavy team with Connor Hurts. Uh, they really relied on their passing game almost as an extension of that short run, you know, the slants the quick little passes instead of running the ball. And so, you know, with the total target share to shrink a little bit, I don't know that Pat Fryermuth is going to get a ton of targets as a rookie, but, you know, maybe steal some of those outlet targets. I just think that Johnson's target volume is going to go down this year. Yeah, I can't go up much more. Guy had 100, 160 targets in 16 full games last year. And that's not even – like I'm not even jumping through the hoops where he was injured in like three of those games and we can take away week 17 where, you know, he only had four targets from Mason Rudolph. 160 targets last season. I understand he dropped more of them than anybody else. But you know who else had a bunch of – you know, else had double-digit drops? DK Metcalf, and nobody really seems to care about that because we know that – Drops are not in the, you know, an indictment on a receiver being bad. They're really a reality of when a guy gets open enough to drop that many passes. So you can look back at the drop leaders at any single year, and you're going to see a long list of really great receivers. So I won't go through the time to list off all those. But to me, it's I, I do think they'll change the offense a little bit, You know, like definition of insanity, same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So, yeah, I, I would hope that they do change it up and not uh, you know pass quite as often as they did last year to try to get something going on the ground, at least pass more efficiency. Would it kill you guys to do some play action? It was a joke how uh, far they were in last place last year. But Deontay, man, I just, you know, he's flashed the ability to really win at all areas of the field. I think he can go down the field, short and intermediate. He's their wide receiver one, and he was it uh, last year. So even if it goes from 160 to 140, 130, I think he has the sort of, uh, you know, ability to be a more efficient receiver and make the most of them. So in Dallas, you know, when we had Dak in there, we talked about Zeke already in that effect. And you had Amari Cooper and, and C.D. Lamb both in the top 12, you know, during weeks one through five. In Dynasty, sometimes people are always, you know, hey, that price is too much. C.D. Lamb has not even come close to his ceiling for value 
or what he's able to do. You know, if Amari Cooper were to go down, I mean, CeeDee Lamb is a guy that I feel like jumps into the, the tier above. I mean, the talent on this guy is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty damn good already. I mean, with Dak under center, CD was the wide receiver 11 in weeks one through five. First five weeks of his career. And we have, you know, uh, free, the whole COVID offseason didn't even matter for CD. He was already falling out. And he just looked like so skinny out there, man. Like, I feel like this guy, he's going to just, I think, grow into his body a little bit more and probably just, you know, flash some more of that, you know, yak ability we saw at Oklahoma at the next level. So I, I think he already started to improve as the year went on last year. Like, that was just my kind of take away early on in the season when he was playing with Dak a lot of it was just him running out of the slot you know just almost running the free grass uh, down the seam and they were making a lot of great plays but like you said it he hasn't even like scratched the, the ceiling of what he's capable of uh, particularly with someone like Dak Prescott now all the way locked down so yeah where do you guys have him in dynasty because to me you know the top spot is between uh, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson but CD's got to be right there with uh, DK Metcalf maybe some other guys uh, I'm not thinking of like you know also in that conversation I'm definitely moving him up. I mean, I've had Brown as the one, and you you gotta have you gotta have Metcalf up there. But I mean, C.D. Lamb has the ceiling to be right up there with A.J. Brown, in my opinion. Like, if we see you know a 1,400 yard, 10 plus touchdown season from him this year at his age, you got to put Jefferson Brown and him in a, in a class of their own because these other guys, you know, your your Hopkins, your you know Hopkins, Adams, all these guys. They're getting into that age cliff of 29, and that's we all know in dynasty. You know, in in redraft, that's fantastic. It doesn't matter. You know, that's that's they're in that prime from 26 to 29. But in dynasty, they write them off for dead. You know, and kind of push them off and, and keep pushing that value. Mung, um, I have I have Lamb right now as my wide receiver five. Where do you have him? I actually have him at four, one spot above Justin Jefferson. So I'm pretty high on him as well. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm getting questions all the time. People are like, should I do, you know, I mean, some of them are absolutely crazy to me, but they're like, should I do Michael Pittman in a first? It feels like an overpay. I'm like, go do it. Just go do it. You know, like people are like, they're asking questions. Should I do Juju in a second? I'm like, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing on Twitter is they're not valuing Lamb high enough. You know, and this we talked about it with AJ Brown. Last year, I was doing this everywhere where I was, I was moving down. I was given, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins for AJ Brown in a first. And now look where that is, you know, and now we're in a spot where if you can do that with DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and get CD Lamb plus for a contender. I mean, the dude is going to ball out. The ceiling is phenomenal. So I always talk about CD Lamb. I absolutely love him. Uh, one guy that Twitter, Twitter loves, and let's talk about it because it is in Atlanta. Calvin Ridley is a, is a Twitter darling. But if Julio Jones goes, I mean, do we see this more as like a, a Juju and Antonio Brown kind of separation? Do we see this as a way that fantasy uh, Twitter Twitter's most beloved person in the world, Kyle Pitts, emerges as that number two? I mean, break it down. If, if Julio leaves, what can we expect in Atlanta? I think he's a fantasy wide receiver one with or freaking without him. You know, his his stats are actually more wild without Julio uh, in favor. Like, I think the argument was more like kind of making it, uh, you know, when they are going to play because Ridley did boom almost like a lot more when Julio was kind of hobbled last year. So really, I mean, with Julio active, I mean, Ridley in those five games, I scored one. He had two games with two touchdowns. And then the only game he didn't score, he went over 100 yards. So 
Look, he is just, you know, his air yards were so far ahead of other guys, almost comical proportions of last year. So he's he's always balled whenever he's had, you know, even like eight targets in a game. He's going to continue to have that all the way. So, yeah, I mean, taking away Julio will really be quite as efficient. Probably not. But to me, the Juju stuff, like in 2019, we saw the Steelers have like the worst group of quarterback play we've ever seen. You know, we've just kind of gone through the issues with Roethlisberger as well. And the biggest issue with me and for Juju is like he doesn't even look like the same guy almost out there. Like what happened to the dude that took that crosser like 80 yards against the Patriots, like almost scoring, just like one of the bigger yak monsters in the league. So more defensive attention, uh, you know, certainly can play a role. I get it. But Juju just doesn't seem like the same athlete. I'm not anticipating that sort of drop off from Ridley, even though he's older. Like, again, I, I think Juju's been playing hurt a little bit more than people might give it credit for. He was popping up pretty much every single week last year with a knee injury. And, you know, so is A.J. Brown. And even if uh, uh, Juju didn't have that, you know, same success and didn't have the same offseason surgery, uh, I would like to maybe see him get back to looking like the explosive guy we saw really take, not take over the league, but make a hell of a lot of great plays here his first two years. Yeah, he was on that wide receiver one in dynasty mentality. I mean, I know a guy's DLF, Ryan, Ryan McDowell had him up there at number one for a while. As I'm looking at your tier four, I'm looking at myself, and we didn't really talk a lot about philosophy, and I know we're getting close, but I absolutely smashed the running back in that first round because of the where, and maybe even in the second round because of positional scarcity and what I see in tier four. I mean, we're talking Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Woods, Cup, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Smith, Moore, Thielen, Galladay, Beckham. It's loaded, you know, and we're, they're so, so deep at that wide receiver position. How do you usually attack the first, you know, two rounds in a, in a one quarterback fashion? Yeah, that's why I'm, if I can get two of my like, you know, top 10 or 12 even running backs, I, I think I'm going to do it a lot of times because I just love this tier right down here. So, yeah, I mean, I think the days of pure zero RB are over. If you want to only go one and then start scooping up receivers, that's fine. But it's, it's just hard for me to get to round six or seven, uh, you know, without a single RB. So the whole, uh, you know, premium RB or whatever, like that, that's fine because, I mean, this group is just awesome. Like Tyler Lockett last year. Like worst 100 catch, 1,000 yard, 10 touchdown season ever. People got too mad because, you know, he only, oh, sorry, he condensed his performance to a few weeks and just warn you the whole damn week every time. So, you know, these Rams guys, I, you mentioned guys mentioned before, you're high on Matthew Stafford. I am as well. Woods and Cup should be eating those targets. No reason to expect a major drop off there. The Bengals is kind of like, you know, a middle class man's version of the Cowboys over there in the AFC. Talked about Devontae Smith. DJ Moore, I'm a little concerned about Sam Darnold. I actually have him a bit lower than consensus. And I just think, you know, I've gotten a lot more Robbie Anderson because it's going to be a lot closer between those guys. As much as I love DJ Moore, I mean, he was one of the more unlucky receivers, I think, in the league last season, him and Jerry Judy in terms of quarterback play. I just don't really expect it to improve with Darnold. And I, I've seen this on Twitter for you a couple of times as well, is I'm seeing – now, Tyler Lockett was a great point. I'm seeing him go for second-round picks in Dynasty. You know, people are like, hey, I'll give you a, a second and a toss-in. The other guy that I'm starting to see, believe it or not, as like add-ins to trades to make it done, just to sweeten it up, you know, add a little bit of flavor, is Odell Beckham. I mean, are, are, they're, they're selling out way too early. 
I mean, right now, and uh, people are saying, like, I'm, I'm never going back to Odo Beckham. I'm done with him and this and that. Like, no, now he's the cheapest ever. Now you can actually buy him at his floor instead of his ceiling. He's going as the wide receiver 29. He was the wide receiver 19 before he got hurt last year. And even in the disappointing 2019 season, he was the wide receiver 25. So I really don't see how, unless he just gets hurt again, which would be unfortunate, him failing to come through as at least, you know, a borderline wide receiver too. And I still firmly believe the best version of Baker Mayfield and the best version of OBJ equals a wide receiver one in fantasy land. So spare me the whole the Browns are better off without OBJ bullshit. They're better off with Baker running the offense as it's, you know, designed to do, throwing to the, uh, you know, player that the coverage dictates and all that. And Odo Beckham will be a coverage shifter because he is better than Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Daryl Hodge. And it is still ridiculous to me that we need to explain that at certain times. I, I understand the splits from last year. But look at the Browns games in the first six weeks. Like they scored 30 points against everyone other than the Ravens and Steelers. We act like they just couldn't do anything until Beckham got hurt. Clearly the Browns aren't worried about it. I think they passed more in Stefanski's second year uh, there with Baker. And again, just we want to buy players at their floor versus their ceiling. I'm sure that's, you know, a big strategy when you're trying to trade as well. So do so with OBJ. I love it. Mung had a question here, and we were I, we're running a little bit short on time, so we're going to do rapid on this one. But you have a lot of in tier five, you have a lot of guys on the same team, right? So we were we're going to just rapid fire. I'm going to say the guys. You tell me which one if you had to choose one out of those two. So tier five, you have Ayuk and Debo. Ayuk, uh, I think he's better, even if Debo probably is more QB independent. Mung. Yeah, it's Ayuk for me as well. All right, let's move to uh, Jacksonville. We're going to go Chark or Chenault? Chark, as much as it pains me, we got to listen to Urban at some point. It's ETN for the Percy role, not Visca. Mung, agreed? Times two. All right, let's see if we can get the uh, trifecta here. Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller? I think it's Waddle, top you know, number six overall pick. I mean, the way they were able to kind of get Lynn Bowden some touches, I think it's going to be Waddle on steroids, and he can obviously do – far more than that down the field. So I love me some Will Fuller, but you, it, I just think with the capital involved, it makes more sense for Waddle to be the featured guy, Fuller to be the, you know, still 80, 90 targets, but more of a field stretching type guy. That's the third check right there, Mung, for sure. Um, you know, and Will Fuller, maybe in best ball, we'll consider it a little bit. There and we said we'd keep you to that one hour mark. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this has been a blast. I mean, this has been, you know, in Dynasty, we're talking a lot more strategy. This was just a lot of fun talking about what's going to happen here. And, and I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, where they can find you again? If you guys aren't following him on Twitter, you should be. I mean, it's witty, fantastic humor and great content. You can't beat it. I appreciate you guys. This was fun. Um, yeah, catch me on Twitter at iHeart. It's pff.com, the PFF fantasy football podcast. My really goal at the moment, I'm doing 100 articles in 100 days, also converting those two podcasts. So we got fantasy files out every day, article out every day, plenty of goodness in between. You know, very blessed to be able to do this full time. And I'm trying to help all the listeners, all the followers make some money and have some fun as well. So thanks again for having me on, dudes. Love it. And Mung, I know you got some other things going on. What's, what's going on with you? And let everybody know where they can find your work right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, love all of Ian's uh, takes here. Uh, we had a few disagreements, but overall, I think, uh, you know, he's a super smart guy. But uh, you can find my rankings over at Fantrax. And it's great to see Ian's face because I just found out a couple weeks ago, my girlfriend's like, no, that, that's Johnny Depp. I don't know who you're talking <laughs> to on Twitter. Uh, so I just realized about his profile picture, but Ian, it was, it was great to have you on, man. I am, 
unfortunately not that good looking I, i've had a few people sliding my dms where they're like hey man i saw someone stole your like abby are you okay with that and i'm like it's very okay just know that hunter s thompson is the goat that's the only message i want to spread i love it thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process <laughs>